to Movie Fail Podcast. This is a dueling review of The Deadpool, the 1988 action film from Buddy Van Horn, the final film in the Dirty Harry franchise. <laughs> uh, no, of course. <laughs> I asked Soren if I could intro just so I could do that joke. Um, no, of course. We're Was it worth about. it? Uh, I hope so. I hope everybody laughed. <laughs> no, we're talking about um, Deadpool from director Tim Miller. This is the, uh, the superhero thing. Um, we're a little bit, we haven't recorded a podcast in a while, <laughs> in a long time, actually. It has been a while. Uh, we might be a little bit rusty, but we're getting back in the swing of it. Uh, we're going to talk about Deadpool. Uh, I didn't like this movie <laughs> at all. Soren, you did like this movie. I did. So, to an extent, but I don't know that extent. So what is that, <laughs> what is that extent? <laughs> um, I, so I, as you know, from just our, our personal discussions, I was not anticipating this movie at all. Um, I've, and I will, I'll totally own up to this. I confidently asserted that Deadpool would possibly work for the people who were like diehard Deadpool fans. And I know a couple my ex is actually one of, one of those people. Uh, Mm -hmm. and that, that's basically all it would work for. And that most critics wouldn't really find it, you know, it'd be sort of this one-off weird thing. Apparently it just beat, um, what the rec Star Wars record for weekend box office or something. Or, or, or like opening week or something, it just beat Star Wars in some record already, which <laughs> it was not what I anticipated. And meanwhile, I was I was sure Zoolander wow. 2, which I still haven't seen, was going to be good. Uh, and from what I hear, I, again, I'm not going to make a judgment on it. Uh, I was completely wrong on both counts. So, um, <laughs> and also every, all the trailers for this movie, I, I was unimpressed. I didn't find them entertaining. Uh, I thought the concept... I knew about Deadpool's history. I knew a little bit about the comics, and um, I just didn't find... I never found him that interesting of a character uh, outside of, you know, little cameo roles, and I didn't think the trailers really sold him. I like some of the promotional material. Uh, when they announced it was going to be rated R, I thought that was funny. Um, when they had... Uh, uh, What's-his-face from from Saved by the Bell? Uh, so that, that there was, like, a little segment there that was kind of funny, and... Um, some of the non-trailer stuff was kind of clever, but I, I didn't like the trailers. I, I was really not looking forward to it. And then I, uh, I just on a whim, I went out to go see it because I had heard good things, and uh, it was, uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I didn't, it's not, you know, it's not a transcendent second coming of superhero movie type, it was, but it was, it was fun. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> see, this is what's interesting to me, because your experience seems to be like uh, the the one that most people had. I know a lot of people who had the same impression of the marketing, who had the same level of anticipation mm-hmm. of the film, and who came out of it with that same feeling of like, you know what, that wasn't the worst thing in the world. Right. That was that was fine. Um, and you came out going, that's exactly what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> that is, that's ex- exactly right. Yeah, I, I was like, no, I was, I was right. I was correct. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, but, well, it's funny to me just because I was, you know... To me, this is exactly the film that was being advertised. Uh, so to have been on the same page with so many people with like, wow, this movie does not look good, but then to have them all see the same movie that I saw and say, no, that wasn't that bad. Like, to me, this, this, is, this is exactly what was being promised. I like, can totally exactly. see how you, how you would... F- I, I can see your logic and, and, and your sort of the, the dissonance you're, you're feeling. But... Um, it, the movie was just better than the trailers. And actually, I was—I I had this in my notes, and I was thinking about when I was watching the movie. Uh, I sort of anticipated the moments from the trailers in the movie, and 
you know, the gags or the jokes or the one-offs or whatever, and uh, they were equally unfunny in the film. And in fact, a lot <laughs> of the jokes don't work in the movie in general. Um, mm. But the movie, to me, it, the, the thing about, I mean, if you just want to talk about com- with comedy, which is really what I was judging those trailers on, uh, was, and, and by the way, the trailers weren't able to do a lot of the things that I think made the movie more entertaining than it was, than, than I thought it would be. Um, and that's on its, it's has, that doesn't really have to do with the comedy per se. Um, but a lot, there's a whole stretch of this movie somewhere in the middle where they're, you know, doing this, the love story and the, the background. And, um, there's no jokes. There's no jokes for like 20, 30 minutes in this movie, in the middle of it. There's sort of this, this more serious period, um, where it's more focused on Wade Wilson, uh, than it is on, um, you know, Deadpool's present, you know, state of being. And, uh, it, it, it's not funny. And as I was think I was watching it, I was, I realized to myself, and maybe this is a knock against it, I don't know, but I, I was thinking to myself, well, it's, this isn't funny, I'm not laughing. Uh, and then I sort of pushed that thought aside and was like, well, yeah, but I care about what's going on, so I don't, you know, I don't care that I'm not laughing, and you know, this movie doesn't have to be an out-and-out comedy, you know. And it, and it, I guess it was billed as a comedy in, in some ways, but that's sort of, to me, irrelevant, you know, it's, like most superhero films these days, it's, you know, reasonably serious with, you know, sort of comedic elements, but isn't exclusively a comedy. Uh, so, and it's something I want to talk about a little bit later, just the tone of this and another movie, which you also hated, that I think that it's, <laughs> it, it's... <laughs> oh, wonder where I, that's going, huh? Yeah, I wonder where that's going. And I, <laughs> no, no, but I, I think there's an interesting point here, and I wish I had more than two movies to really point to, but I think it's, I think there's a, a tonal point that I think people respond to with, with movies like this, but in any case, um, so I, 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 you hated it, and I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know why, I don't know why you hated it. So I'd, I'd love to hear your. Uh, well, yeah, let's. <laughs> run down. Let me go into it then. <laughs> yeah, it's. Well, I, I'm trying to where to even begin. Let, well, let's just talk about the tone. <laughs> let's just let's talk about the tone of this movie. The tone of this movie is uh, baffling, utterly baffling to me, because. It, a lot of the time it's going for... Before we started recording, you mentioned uh, the movie The Boondock Saints. Oh, yeah. And I was that's what I was thinking of for a lot of Deadpool. Oh, no kidding. Because it has that same kind of tone of like, oh, yeah, this is the cool... Actually, you know what? Awesome, cool dude. Like, I'm thinking specifically... Yeah. There's a scene early on where he's counting the bullets. That was so Boondock Saints to me. It was like, look how, you know, absurdly, superhumanly badass this dude is. Isn't he cool? Uh, and like, and he's cracking jokes, and he's just awesome. And so I was getting that kind of like <laughs> bro vibe from from dead a lot of Deadpool. Uh, but then like, but then like you say, it'll it, there'll be these moments where it um and it does I don't know if it totally drops the comedy, but it does. No, it, it does. throws one in here and there, but they're not. It's not like the it, when Deadpool is in the suit, you know, it's like a joke a minute kind of thing, and and that's for a lot of the Wade Wilson segments isn't true. Yeah, well, I mean, but. And my problem with it is that um, it's it, it's this tonal whiplash, right? Because of the way that the movie is structured, you know, that's that's really a big part of it. Is is this, you know, back and forth mm. uh, where it starts with the it keeps cutting back from this set piece mm. uh, to flashback right. to these earlier and like and like you say, he's Deadpool in the suit for this big action set piece, and then it's cutting back to when he wasn't, and it's still joking, but it can be more serious but it just doesn't feel like it's like what does this movie want to be like i was i would 
almost I would almost be surprised whenever it would cut back to Deadpool because I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> I thought we were. You know, I, I forgot almost that that was. Well, you know, this was the kind of movie we're doing. I was, you know, I so I, I did. I think they maybe did it one too many times. They, they cut back and forth. Uh, I didn't have a huge problem with it. I thought it was it was fun. The um, I I think what the reason it worked for me is that you had this like character, right? So you had this bizarre, weird superhuman appearing person in a suit who's. Especially, I mean, imagine this also as some, you know, imagine someone who's never seen a Deadpool thing, who's never spent any time with the character, um, contextualizing what the hell's going on, because it's a little weird, right? Um, and so I, I like the cutbacks because it gave me a little more context for why any of this would matter. I mean, you know, it reminds me a little bit of something like X-Men 2. Which I don't know if you remember that movie. I I barely remember it, but I I know one of the reasons I think it resonated with a lot of people is, yeah, it was cool. It was, but X Men One had very little justification for its characters. It was the general mutants are bad, and then the mutants sort of you know fighting over whether or not they should take you know take it into their own hands or not or whatever. That was X Men One. X Men Two was really a personal story about Wolverine and what they did to him in the uh, Weapon X project. And so his fight with Stryker and all that is very, um, and I'm bringing it up specifically because it's an X-Men, you know, so um, was very personal. And they those cutbacks and those flashbacks and those traumatic events contextualize why we're fighting these this random group. They're not just people who tortured or experimented on people. They're not just, they gave us some reason for these superhuman characters that we didn't get in the first X-Men, and so we got it in the second one. And here it's sort of similar, where you have these weird characters who can do crazy things and don't seem to have any, there's like, you know, there's no ramifications getting for getting hurt, there's no ramifications for, um, you know, can do these crazy stunts, and, and then it gives us a reason for why it's happening in the first place. And, I, you know, I thought they were, it was good. It, and what's funny is, a lot of people have criticized the movie um, in that it's pretty straightforward, you know, it's a fairly boilerplate origin story uh, yeah and I, w- I wanted to talk about that with you too because i was uh, well finish what you were saying and i want to get into that well it, and, and this this structure sort of covers that up but it is it, it, it is um i i will say going forward it'll be nice to not have to worry about the origin story you know we don't have to worry about any of this in any future film and there's no real reason to talk about anything that happened in his past uh, except for maybe his encounters with the x-men before he because in this movie they sort of gloss over his initial encounters with the mutants, um, mm. and so that that was kind of interesting, uh, or so that 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 could be interesting. And but in this case, I think it was enough to contextualize. I liked the the, the romance between um, uh, I thought uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds and Marina Baccarin had pretty solid chemistry. Um, I particularly her her character was very interesting to me because I think um, she played kind of against type. Uh, I, we haven't, I, I, from the few things I've seen her in, she hasn't usually, she doesn't usually play this sort of punky, freewheeling kind of character. Um, and I liked their, uh, you know, I, I like their little montage, the little sex montage that goes on for a while that you know, goes through all the holidays and all that. Um, you know, it, it, it was cute. It was fun. You know, it, it really does work for me as sort of a romance in that regard. And I, I like that. Um, we'll say that montage contained, I think the one joke that genuinely made me laugh, uh, which is when it cuts to the lint. 
Oh yeah, uh, Lent. <laughs> that was I like that. That was clever. Um, yes, Lent. That was, was cute. That's good. Good job. There were no laughs. <laughs> I don't think there were any laughs in in the. I was. There were a couple of moments in the in the movie. I genuinely was. There was the point uh, where he. They said we're gonna go see Xavier, and he said, um, uh, uh, Stewart or McAvoy, and I laughed. But like, I don't think a lot of people. It's not like it's arcane knowledge to know who's played Professor Xavier <laughs> in other movies, but a lot of people just don't know or care. Um, but I, you know, there were moments like that. that so and then Lent was another thing I laughed at. I think a lot of people just didn't in the, my theater just didn't it didn't really process with them. Um, but the, I think those. Yeah, those those moments are good. But anyway, I like the romance. I like the romance. And I, just getting back to the tone before I, uh, you know, completely tire myself out here, I think there is a place for, and even Boondock Saints, which isn't based on a comedy, uh, sorry, a, a comic book, but is in that vein, and actually predates a lot of these these movies, and perhaps had some influence on on at least the setting the stage for these things to be exist, although. I wouldn't say that they, it was a direct influence, but things like so. I was going to mention Kingsman, which of course I'm, I, <laughs> I know there you you were not a you're not a fan of that movie, but you're not a fan of Deadpool either. But I think what's what's interesting about these movies in the context of um, comic book films is that you have two kinds of comic book movies, as far as I'm concerned, right? You have Sin City, which is a comic book movie, three hundred. Uh, you have um, uh, Blade. You know these hard R films that are violent and sort of over the top but aren't funny or light in any sort of way at all and then you have like the avengers or the hulk or whatever you know these other movies which are very um you know light and there's no violence and there's no there's none of that edge to it in that regard and so i think that the the weird contrast of the light comedy with the really intense over-the-top violence, I think it's appealing to people, for, not to everyone, but to some people, I think has, and I think Boondock Saints had that, uh, I think that was part of its appeal uh, to its to its fan base, I think it's the same with Kingsman, and with Deadpool, so, you know, there are things you could never do in, even the X-Men films, uh, because none of them are rated R, that you could do in, in Deadpool, uh, that I think were great, even like, I like, the, when he gets shot through the arm, and he's sort of evaluating the situation, um, or uh, when, uh, you know, he, he slices, you know, he, he stabs the swords through that guy. Um, I, I, there's, like, moments like that that I think it's just the contrast is startling and kind of f- surprising and fun that um, I think people respond to. And it's something that I think it gets lost in this whole conversation about, oh, it's, it's the rated R comic book movie. That's what's interesting about it. It's not the rated R part. You know, we've had rated R comic book movies. It's the the weird tonal contrast i think people find amusing see it's interesting you bring that up because one of the things that struck me about deadpool was that i didn't you know for all the talk about the r rating i didn't find it really at all bound edgy or or boundary pushing or you know in what in what regard though well i mean let's talk about the violence is the i didn't find it to be uh I don't think they push limits with the violence where they could have. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a prude when it comes to violence, <laughs> and I'm not saying that everything should be, uh, you know, violent and gory and whatever, sure. but I'm saying that I don't think that, you know, there's a lot of decapitations in this movie, but there's a lot of decapitations in the Hobbit movies, too, and those are PG-13. Right. Um, and So I just think that the movie landscape, <laughs> the blockbuster landscape as it exists today, what Deadpool is doing, I guess, is technically R-rated, but it's not 
you know, it, it's only it's only technically, I guess is what I'm saying. It's only checking boxes on the list of, you know, this is what you have to do for the MPAA, basically. We have to have this, you know, so many bad words and so much nudity or sex and, you know, a particular amount of uh, CGI blood. But, like... <laughs> you know, I saw so many people being like, oh, if you wanted to make a PG Deadpool, it would only be five minutes long. You honestly wouldn't have to cut that much. I think like, you'd have to cut it. At least according to the current MPAA rules, you would have to cut a bunch. But, you know, I... <laughs> Without getting my, into... My ultimate point is that I think it's a, it's a really tame movie. Interesting. I, I think there's points that are pretty over the top. I mean, he cuts, when he cuts off his arm... Um, Again, when he when he's when he gets you know the bullet shoots through his through his uh through his arm or sorry when he cuts off his hand when the bullet shoots through his arm um the 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 sex side of things is a, it's a small part of the movie but it is a part of the movie although for most movies that are rated R it's not usually it's not usually something like um was it blue is the warmest color is that what that movie's yeah. called right that movie's fairly extensive on that particular <laughs> issue, but a lot of movies, you know, the one rated R, you know, sex scene is just a small part of the film. It's not usually fairly large. And in this movie, it's, I, I would argue it's, it's about the length that you would expect in, in your average rated R film. Um, and, you know, I, but the thing, and I think this is what, I, what I was really worried about this movie is, is there's very little room in my head for Deadpool to work as a character. Um, but what I like about the concept of Deadpool, not necessarily the execution, is that it's kind of amusing to me to see a character balk at the rest of the superhero world and to, you know, you know, ask them what the hell is going on, to swear at them, to whatever. And and I th- I think it was because they had Colossus and Negasonic Teenage Warhead or... Uh, you know that character in in the movie is they allowed or even or even the uh, the villain Ajax right um, to to when you put those characters in the movie it gives you a sort of a straight man to bounce off of but it they represent the straight the fairly straight faced uh, especially the X Men films which are not really very funny at all especially compared to the Marvel you know universe and so that contrast I mean I almost wish Wolverine was in it just because he's so goddamn serious in those movies to see him and Wade Wilson together, which is half of the humor in the comic books with the character is that it's him in like Spider-Man and Spider-Man's trying to like do the right thing. And he's a wisecracking character, but he's not, you know, he takes his job seriously and, you know, Deadpool makes his life miserable or Wolverine or all these other characters. I like that. I just want to say, I would be willing to bet that the first draft of this movie had Wolverine in the Colossus role, just because they mention Wolverine a lot elsewhere. But that or just, just, it's, but it's also Fox Fox's X Men series is like Wolverine and the X Men basically, so I feel like they yeah. they 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 get more out of it. But but you know um and you know I like and I like that you know he recognizes that he is Ryan uh, Ryan Reynolds that Hugh Jackman plays Wolverine. I mean these these I mean it's a it's a simple premise. It's not complicated. It's not deep. There's nothing. I wouldn't even call this movie subversive really. Um, on a scale, I mean, it's 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 more subversive than Guardians of the Galaxy, but Guardians of the Galaxy wasn't really subversive at all, uh, for the most part. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not gonna, ch- it's not changing the entire superhero j- genre or anything. But it's, it's it, an, I think a much needed reflection of the superhero 
world, and I think they can do more with Deadpool in future films. But I, I, I like the fact that it exists. I also like the fact that it exists, especially when we have, you know, the DC universe is about to explode with all these, you know, dour, ultra serious characters. Um, it's going to be nice to have Deadpool, who's free to comment on all of, you know, the rest of the the comic book world. Um, I think it'll be fun to have that there. But I guess me. my my thing with that is like I don't. <laughs> I don't feel like Deadpool is a comment in a in an even remotely substantial way. Like no, you know, no, he's not. And I wasn't even trying to imply he was. He's not. <laughs> he's incredibly shallow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no depth here. It's okay. Listen, my mom, my mom saw it right, and uh, I went out to dinner with her just the other night, and um, she said, "So I saw Deadpool," and I said, "Oh, what'd you think?" And she was like, "It was very silly. It was very silly." And I and I said, you know what? That's basically my review of the movie. Yeah, it was it was silly. It was a fun way to spend an evening. Um, if you have a partner, it's you know sort of this. It's got this romantic element to it, or whatever. It's a you know a way to s- spend an evening. Um, I it's not the second coming of of uh, superhero movies, but yeah, it's silly. There's no depth but, but, to it. You know, but it's my problem is that it's uh it sets itself up in such a way and it builds itself. Uh, in such a way as it builds itself as something uh, subversive, as something, you know, we're taking the superhero genre and we're uh, we're really, you know, taking it to task. So we're you're doing, comment you're on doing all these what different... I do. You're doing what, I, what you always criticize me of doing, looking for something that's, that's not that's there. there. <laughs> the movie doesn't... Well, no, but no, I'm saying it, the movie <laughs> is, you know, making... The movie makes a claim about itself and then it doesn't... How? Back but it how, up. how does it make a claim about itself? Just everything, I mean, everything about itself. The, the entire concept of Deadpool uh, should exist. And this is this will get into something that I mentioned uh, briefly in the review that I want to, I do want to get into. But the Deadpool basically, Deadpool exists um, as a character who should be everything that superhero movies are not. And the movie is kind of making the claim that he is by setting himself up against the two X-Men characters that we see and having him, you know, in narration comment on all the different... Or breaking the, you know, breaking the fourth wall and he even talks about how he's breaking the fourth wall while he's doing it. Um, which, God. But but it's it's not at all... It's just a superhero movie. You know what I mean? Whereas I, I think the... The good version of Deadpool, and I know what I know. I mean, you're kind of right when you say that I'm doing what I criticize. I've criticized <laughs> you in the past for doing, but I think that the version of Deadpool that really works is the version that is genuinely that is different. But the reason that this Deadpool doesn't work is that it's for a, f- a fan audience, and it can't be different. It has to pander to oh, superhero but, yeah, fans. Yeah, but no, I don't. I, it, okay, so is it pandering to Deadpool fans or is it pandering to superhero fans? I think ultimately it's pandering to superhero fans. Okay. And, you know, I think Deadpool fans are going to like the execution of the character, and certainly they do from what I've seen. Mm. Um, but I, I think I Because I was day, worried it was going to pander to Deadpool fans because I would have really... I mean, he did mention Chimichangas once. Thank God it was like an off-the-cuff, random, you know, throwaway line because I was, I was really sure the film was going to go in a direction that was just very niche and very irritating. <laughs> for you know, but honestly it's, it's, even though i hate even though you know i don't know a lot about deadpool mm. but i'm kind of from what i've seen i'm not a deadpool fan <laughs> um i would have rather they went really n- you know niche and specific and um but those are n- and n- not and not uh, this movie goes so broad it's going for a broad audience and it's succeeded because it's making a ton of money but uh, you know but 
I think that's its downfall is that it's not the movie that it could have been that it may that I think it wants to be but he's not but see you, but you don't think you feel like he's a superhero character but I I mean I don't really he doesn't do I mean inevitably what happens in a movie like Hulk or Iron Man is by dealing with the villain they're dealing with their personal struggles or whatever but they're also dealing with like saving the world in some regard or saving a bunch of people or the Avengers, or any of these films. It's always the case. In this case, stopping Ajax really doesn't help anyone. Everything he does is ridiculously selfish. He forces the uh, the X-Men to, to join in on this fight when they really have no reason to. Uh, and then he kills you know, Ajax at the end, um, which I know Wolverine has killed people before, but there's no reason for him to do it. Um, and I, I, I'm not saying it's subversive, but I really w- I wouldn't call him, you know... I mean... He's more, I mean, I don't want to use anti-hero as like an overused term, but he's kind of even just an anti-hero character. And I mean, you're right. It, it does in some regard um, sort of follow the, the a lot of the tropes of, at least formally, of the superhero genre. But it, if you look at the ramifications of everything he did in the movie, everything was selfish. Nothing had to do with anyone but himself uh, and his love interest. And yeah. But they kind of, I, I think that they... They put themselves in a corner where they have to ride that. Li- like, you know, they give, for instance, when he's in this torture facility, mm. um, he's not by himself. They for some they give him this, you know, in one scene, all of a sudden, he has a friend there who he's joking with just so that in the next scene, he can see the friend uh, uh, burned to death. And, you know, every time we see Ajax Which is his alone, fault. He's sh- every time we see Ajax alone, he's, you know, shipping off other uh, random, presumably innocent people. Uh, you know, presumably who were tricked, just like Deadpool was. Um, yeah, but he doesn't so save them. He kills them all. He makes this incredibly selfish decision to blow himself up, uh, maybe assuming he would survive, I don't know, and kills everyone in the process. No, I know, but my my point is more that um, Ajax is, is... The movie has to make the point that Ajax is a, is a villain. Yes, He can't just right. be a dude who wronged Deadpool, which is, I think, what you're suggesting is the... Uh, is their relationship well which is you know i think that's what i think the movie plays off that in that final encounter um but it also is it tries to have it both ways because it it really hammers home that he is genuinely a bad guy who should be stopped i i I mean i honestly i can't even remember the sequences where he's uh, like hurting other people i just saw it recently and i really like to me uh, the most when I was thinking about Ajax as a character, because a lot of people have said, "Oh, he's not a good villain," and he, he is. He kidnaps a good Deadpool's girlfriend. At, girlfriend at the end. Yeah, I mean, but again, that's selfish to Deadpool, right? That so his interest in that is one hundred percent based on his personal interest in her, not in saving, uh, you know, even a group of people. It's just his love interest, who he's always the whole thing has been about her. Um, but going back to uh, the the facility, I mean, so in t- Ajax is. The question of Ajax is interesting. I don't know that Ajax is an interesting character, but you know, is he a good villain or not? And I, I, I think because and this comes back to what you were saying, um, I think he is sufficiently evil, and the way he tortures, uh, in the way he tortures Wade Wilson, and so that makes him evil enough for me to want him to be defeated or die, which is really, I think, the 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 very basic low bar for a villain, and I think they achieve that. I didn't feel like they emphasized it or in any way sort of made it worse with his or or tried to push that story and he really passed that at all. I mean, I know so you're saying that there's these these scenes with these other 
people who were also tricked into this facility, but to me, it, it's still all about Wade. It's all about how Wade has to, you know, hear the wailing of other people. Wade has to suffer through these tortures. Wade has to see his friend die. Wade, it's all about Wade. It's not about the right thing to do or what's helpful to anyone else at any point. And I think that's, I mean, he's a selfish character. I think that's really the what it comes down to, despite what Colossus keeps saying uh, throughout the movie, which is that, you know, you're actually really good and you can do the right thing. Um, his whole, the whole movie, he's a selfish douche and then the movie ends with him being a selfish douche <laughs> which i'm not but saying it's a good thing, thing but i don't think it's he doesn't save but anyone. the movie opens with him being like it introduces him as a totally I right was, i was i was blown away when they introduce this guy from what i understood what i'm meant to understand about deadpool is a selfish jackass as a you know totally selfless you know hitman with a heart of gold character mm-hmm. Um, in this, you know, first thing where he, you know, some girl hires him to beat up her stalker, and, uh, he doesn't even really rough him up, he, he just threatens him, and then he gives the girl her money back. Right. Like, he doesn't come across that way, and yes, the, uh, arc of the film is him accomplishing a selfish goal, but he's not presented as a selfish You're right. person. You're right. I agree. I completely agree with you, um, in that I don't know what the point of that was, um, except, <laughs> no, I agree with, I mean, I, I, and I, it's something that I sort of didn't really remember as I went on for the, through the rest of the film because it's not really f- reflective of Deadpool. But, it, so I think what that is, is justification for the relationship between him and, um, or what's, what's Miranda Beckerin's character's name? I don't even remember. It's <laughs> something generic. Vanessa. Like, Vanessa, 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 right. So um, I, I don't, I mean, I think it's just sort of just like, why should anyone, he's a hitman, why would anybody, what redeeming features could he possibly have um, a, as a hitman? Now, I think that, the so there's, I would say, so this is one of my criticisms of the film. Um, why, okay, and comic book fans, if you're listening, and I've got this completely wrong, because, you know, I'm in, in no way versed in the Deadpool mythos. My understanding was he was a fairly normal guy. I don't know what his pre-story was, but I know he's a fairly normal guy. He was not breaking the fourth wall. He wasn't aware he was a comic book character. None of this happened until he went through the Weapon X program and became a mutate and got some of Wolverine's powers, I think. That's how he's able to regenerate. That's At least that's, in my understanding, in the comics, that's the case. And so it, and so But through this process, he goes kind of nuts and then suddenly realizes he's in a comic book or a video game or a movie or whatever the place you put the character and that's why and in this movie i don't think there's enough delineation between wade wilson before and deadpool after uh, i completely agree yeah and i think that but i think that there it sh- if it had been made a bit clearer you might have seen that when he became crazy he lost his sort of goodwill for humanity um maybe it was driven out of him by the torture or whatever the case may be um but this movie, did, and I just want to get back to that one point, though. I, I do think the, the movie sort of violates its own origin, at least as far as I know with Deadpool. He makes a joke when either wheeling him in on the, the, the gurney yeah, about was, yeah. about Green Lantern, which is a great, in my opinion, is a great joke. It's funny because they're making, you know, he's making fun of his own career or whatever. It's funny. But uh, you can't make fun of the, that if you haven't gone through the treatment yet because you don't, how, you, how are you breaking the fourth wall? It's very weird. Like you can, you should only be able to do that after the treatment. So that I found a bit strange. 
Um, yeah, th- that whole element doesn't work for me at all for that reason, and it's it's because it's all in the it's all in the script. It's not in the character. It's all being uh, written for this person. It's all coming from the writer. It's it doesn't it, it's and it's so obviously it's not coming from Deadpool as a person. It never feels like you know. Well, that's Deadpool's, um, but a lot of Deadpool fans they'll argue like, oh, he's a very like he's a Bugs Bunny type. He's a mischief maker. He just goes around causing chaos because he always because he's aware of he's because he's self aware. Sure. But I never got the impression that he was as a character self aware so much as the writers were writing self aware words to put in his mouth. So what I. I guess it's a matter of perspective then, because for me, Deadpool sort of like, like any superhero character, and maybe this speaks to superhero character or comic book characters in general, that because so many people get a crack at them, they all get different voices and different you know, from different people. But there's some consistency to it in that Deadpool will always know that you know know the name and the voice of the writer who is writing for him. So whoever it is, whether it's Rob Liefeld or you know any of the other people who came after him. He knows that, and so by that same token, whoever's voicing him uh, in the cartoons, or whoever is, um, or in the video games, or whoever is playing him, he, it's like this—it's like the entity that is Deadpool knows who's playing him, and to me, that's how it comes across. And it's funny because, you know, we don't have any issue with Batman being the same character in you know now three different film franchises and being completely different in all three of them. Or even within one franchise, you know, he, he'll completely change characters, you know, in the, the the Schumacher franchise. But we don't have any problem with that. But in this case, I think that it's because he draws attention to it, it seems bizarre. But I think that's part of the appeal, at least for for me, in that he knows he's being, this character is being taken on by. So, like, for example, in the beginning when he says, how did I manage to get my own film? Right? He says something like that. And that doesn't sound like Ryan Gosling. That to me sounds like Deadpool, who exists in sort of multiple media, uh, saying, "How did I get Ryan Reynolds to play me?" Like as a separate entity from that. And so for me, it's for me it works on that level. Well, I guess if it's you know weird, taking know. that is if I take that, then my problem becomes that that only enters the picture. You know, it's it's spread too thin. Basically, it doesn't happen enough. There's too many. The stretch the stretches of this movie are too long and these moments of fourth wall breaking are too are you know few and far between um and it just feels like oh so now no, there we'll should have, be more we have to have wall. him do this now <laughs> instead of like the character it doesn't feel like the character is always aware because the character it, it just feel it feels programmed so you're saying there should be more fourth wall breaking i'm saying that <laughs> it would have i mean i'm not saying i would have liked it but i'm saying it it, it would have worked it would have been at least more consistent deadpool would have been a more consistent, coherent character or, or entity, if you want, uh, than he is now, where he just feels like, you know, like I said, he just feels like a bunch of words on a page. He doesn't feel, at a, he doesn't coalesce at any point for me. That's interesting. Uh, no, I, I, surprisingly, I was sold on the character. I think the other thing we're leaving out of this, I mean, we're, we're speaking very, I think, generically, you know, I like Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. I think that there, that was a match made in heaven in a lot of ways uh i think the care whether or not you like ryan reynolds or not or whatever i think he's actually a fairly decent actor but what he's well he, uh, he, as you know at drama um i think what he's best at is wisecracking and being you know the the van wilder type of character and 
Deadpool is like Van Wilder on, on steroids. So I think it works for him. It was sort of built for him. And I think there's part of it is that he really sells it. I, to me, I felt the earnestness of Ryan Reynolds' performance, that I it just came through in his line delivery uh, to me, where I felt like he wanted to take us with him on this for lack of a better word, like, you know, passion project. And I was willing to go with him on it. Um, and I think that was part of why I was, I, 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 the fourth wall worked for me and the rest of it. Uh, again, with the caveat that I wish it had been more consistent with the before and after with the fourth wall. I think that would have helped delineate a little bit better. By the way, I just want to say, cause I know, I know <laughs> that there is some Deadpool fan out there who just heard that last thing I said about how the character never coalesces <laughs> and is rushing to the comment section about, oh, that's the point of the character because, you know, he's so no. crazy, he, you can't pin him down, no, he's all over, he's silly. supposed to be all over the place. Like, no, I'm sorry, it's bad writing. <laughs> it's just bad writing. It just, it's just bad writing. No, I agree. I, I know you can say like, oh, well, that's the point. It's supposed to be like that. He, he's aware that he's like that. And that's kind of the, my, 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 problem with the whole tone of the humor of the movie is that he's you know oh he knows that he's the, it's this generic superhero movie it's making jokes it's self-aware well that's still you know it's it's still lazy because you're still all you all you have to do if you if you're doing that is write a generic superhero movie and then you and then add in one-liners every other line mm-hmm. I, whereas i feel like like i said earlier the good version of this movie is the version that takes the opposite approach in instead of doing one-liners every time that they do like a trope or whatever they just do the opposite of whatever that trope is in the movie they just do something well, just doing the opposite of it going a completely different direction um but like i said they can't do that because ultimately they know that it's superhero you know movie fans who are coming to see this and they have a certain expectation of what these movies are and i wish that this movie had been able to be bolder and that I, I wish that Deadpool wasn't a pre-existing character. That people didn't come to this movie with expectations. That there weren't Deadpool fans already who uh, thought who, for whom this movie had something to prove. They, you know what I mean? I wish that yeah, this movie just could have been completely its own thing. I, I understand the I understand that to some degree, but you can't just expect. I mean, to to just do the opposite of whatever the trope is, or to do that's to me that's not subversion. I mean, that's like uh, that's like. It's better subversion than what we got, is my point. But it's not subversion at all. It's exactly conformity. You know, okay, listen, this is wisdom from my grandmother. Um, <laughs> back when I was uh, much younger, I was like, I was not counterculture in any way. But, you know, we, you and I went to school in the same place, um, mm-hmm. uh, the same hometown. And uh, our hometown is rather ordinary and, and dull. And everyone sort of dresses the same, the same haircut. <laughs> it's very, you know what I'm talking about, right? So, yeah. and I, so growing up, I sort of, whatever everyone liked, I did the opposite. Um, and I was, you know, what everyone liked Pokemon, I was like, no, Pokemon's stupid. Everyone likes Pokemon. I'm going to do something else, you know. <laughs> or everyone has, you know, short, uh, straight hair. So I had long curly hair. And I didn't curl my hair. But, you know, like, to me, it was, I was trying to do the opposite of what everyone else is doing. And I told my grandmother this once. And she said, if you're just doing the opposite of what everyone else is doing, you're, what's the difference? <laughs> between what you're doing and what they're doing. You're just literally doing the opposite of what, you're still bound by the expectations uh, of the society, you know, you should just do what you like. If you like Pokemon, it's okay to go and play Pokemon because you like it. You know, who cares if everyone else likes it or doesn't like it? You should just do it. Um, That's a, that is a fantastic point. I think your grandma is absolutely right. <laughs> um, genuinely, I think, I think you're right. I think that it's, it's a good point to say that, the, you know, the version of the movie I'm describing would still ultimately be uh, bound to 
this certain structure, and maybe because of that, you could argue it would be even be reinforcing that structure. Um, but I would argue that you know potentially uh, th- this movie had the potential to, by doing that, um, make a statement about what superhero movies can be, what this type of movie can be, that it doesn't have to adhere to a certain a certain you know narrative uh, format or you know like like here, here's a good example. And I alluded to this earlier. Uh, they made a whole real big stink before this movie came out about how this Deadpool is pansexual, right? Mm. Uh, they lied. <laughs> they lied. It's, it's I, was, not I thought movie. you were going to bring it up because I, I, I hadn't heard that. I hadn't heard that, but I actually think they're... I, I agree. I'm not saying this movie is like in any way progressive or that it really moves that ball forward at all. But I think that they're... A, I think something might have been cut. And B, I think that there, there's a scene where he roughs up the pizza guy. Um, there, there's that moment where he kisses him, which to me, you know, you somebody might feel like, oh, it's just, you know, it's supposed to be, oh, he's, he's crazy or whatever. I, to me, it felt sexually aggressive. It didn't feel like um, it yeah, was. Yeah, definitely. So, so I think that was intentional. And I think later when he compliments the, uh, the cab driver when he says he was cute, I don't think that, it didn't really feel like a laugh line to me. That just seemed like a genuine... It, it it's it, what was funny about it was that it was bold, not that he was complimenting a guy. I think that was also sort of hinting at that. Now I don't know that it went very far with it. I'm sure there's more you could do with it, and I'm sure if they do a sequel, they can, you know, if there's with cable and stuff, they can do that kind of, they can sort of play that out. Um, but I hadn't I hadn't even heard that until I saw the, you know, I heard one person say, oh, they said it was going to be he was going to be pansexual, and then he wasn't pansexual, and I was like, what? What? <laughs> I never heard that. Yeah. Well, because apparently that's a th- apparently that's a thing in the comics, mm. and you know, but but my thing is that um, the way that it's done in the movie is very much, and it's not like oh I'm I, I'm not do I don't want to be doing that thing right now. Where I'm like oh this movie is not progressive to my <laughs> standards. I'm gonna think piece about, but no, it, but it, it really it's if this is what uh, they think that means <laughs> like that scene you're talking I, about yes, with the I pizza agree. guy, yeah. it's just so. Like, yeah, it's not, like, okay, so that scene with the pizza guy, he's doing that in a way that does not, that is not uh, progressive, it's actually reinforce. you know, he's ma- he's threatening the guy, he's making him afraid through this, uh, you know, act of uh, sexual aggression, basically, sure. and because it's two men, that's big, that's why it's threatening. Essentially. Oh well, no, but that's not. I just felt it was threatening because he had a knife, not because it was two men. I mean, but but and the way that he, I'm talking about specifically the way what he's saying to him in the kiss is uh, is not. Um, My point is that the joke isn't that it's two men, and I think that's. Yeah, I mean, you've. I think you disagree. Brought this up that's the, what I'm saying. I disagree. Well, but you've brought this up in the past that you know, like uh, there are often gay characters in in or 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 jokes or moments that are the joke is it's not they're not straight or like it's it's two men or two women or whatever the case is and to me here that the wasn't the I, well, first of all i didn't think it was i i didn't i don't know if it was supposed to be Wait, it's less that it's a joke and more that it's just um it's a character who is using uh sexuality in that way not in a not in a genuine way which is what in the in these interviews that i heard is what they were you know what they said they were going to do and maybe what they thought that scene was oh, suggesting oh i doubt it I, but no, but like I, I really think that what's what he's doing in that scene is like he's using uh, homophobia 
as a weapon against this guy. And it would have been interesting if they had played it as... If, if Reynolds and if the director had played it as more genuine, and if it had been a thing where, um, you know, Wade is, is <laughs> obviously still threatening the guy, mm-hmm. but he's being like... He is really being real about it, but more importantly, he is... Uh, using that realness to his advantage and it did it, it didn't I didn't get that impression I got the impression that he was being deliberately you know he was doing this deliberately but this wasn't based in anything you know within himself essentially um I, and I missed the line I forget the line with the cab driver that you're talking about but maybe oh yeah later in the movie yeah. he says something because he's, com- he's talking about how he has the um he's like I'll never be able to compete with my cousin and he says no like you're cute or something like that you know I, I don't know it's some line like that uh, when his cousin's tied up in the trunk just before they had the final battle. They said something along the lines of that. Um, and it's just, it's the the timing isn't such that it's like, that's the punchline, haha. It's, he's sort yeah, of taken okay, aback. Yeah, I remember this, yeah. He's sort of taken aback, and you know, again, this is, <laughs> we're making a, I mean, I'm blowing up one line in a movie, like it's not, I would not call this a, a you know, in any way a, a, a depiction of a truly open pansexual or bisexual character in any way, but I do think that 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 moment and the other moment and but again the other moment I I am just substituting say a woman in that role of the role of the pizza guy um it would be very problematic for a completely other set of reasons but then mm. but but what I'm but to me the the point is that it's I I don't think he's use he's weaponizing homosexuality or or you know I to me it's just it, it's sort of like, a, you know, an aggressive man, like, you know, catcalling or something, you know, like, it's, it's not good. It's not good, but he's not weaponizing the sexuality, he's weaponizing, you know, aggression or something else, but not, to me, I, to me, it just didn't, it didn't feel problematic, but my point being more broadly that I agree that it's not, um, certainly this character's not, they have a lot of room to grow. If listen, if yeah, Cora, I mean, well, if this Cora is, such... is more, if Cora is more progressive than this, if or or more open about it than this, uh, and that's a an ostensibly children's show, then I think, you know, I think Deadpool rated R could go a little bit further. Well, exactly. Yeah, because it's because it's rated R. I don't. It, this is an aggressively heterosexual film. <laughs> My old yes, professor used quite heterosexual. Used to talk about um, how every movie has what she called the happy heterosexual ending. Mm. It's just, and it once you hear it phrased like that, and I must have talked about this to you before, but like once you hear it phrased like that, you don't stop seeing it in movies. It's like every single movie ends with the man and the woman uh, getting the, together. That's the classical it, Hollywood format, though. That's, that's, that's... I that's know, but it's... Been written. But, but my point is, like, if if Deadpool wants to be the movie that is I'm not calling it's out thing. tropes like that, yeah, 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 yeah. then why is it engaging in it unironically? Well... So here's my here's what I'm interested though. I'm very so I think the proof will be in the sequel. The proof will be in the sequel. We'll, we'll really know then because I think part of this is it comes back to and I don't want to make this like super broad, but you know when you get back to so when I so I wrote a textbook chapter, which by the way everyone is coming out in October of this year, about diversity in the media and 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 when people of certain groups that are marginalized be, end up in positions of power. One of the parts of this chapter. Um, it's an encyclopedia chapter, uh, is that when you know, people are in marginalized groups, when they get into power, um, sometimes they still perpetuate the system, uh, partially because mm-hmm. they're afraid of speaking out or sort of rocking the boat, uh, or there's pressure on them, or for whatever reason. Uh, and I think that 
I don't. I'm not saying that Deadpool is a marginalized character who should be, you know. But you know, but I think that there was a little bit of proving your worth as, you know, that you can make money. That you, and so the fact that it's making so much money that it, it proved that this movie, this style, can work. And the fact that a sequel's already been talked about and maybe even greenlit. I'm not sure. Um, means that I think they have more. We'll see what happens. What two things could happen? The creatives could win the fight and say, we're going to do something interesting with a sequel because we made $500 million and you can't tell us what to do. Or the studio could say, do what you did before because that made $500 million and we would like to make $500 million more. I don't know who's going to win that out. But if this was sort of, they, did, they didn't, they want to sort of dip their toe or barely touch the water uh, with those two tiny little scenes and in the future they can push it because now they've got the audience hooked in to the franchise, that'll be interesting. Because, by the way, remember, Korra didn't do it in its first season. It took until the last scene to really confirm any of that. It did. It did. Um, but this is why I tell you, you got to watch Steven Universe, though. I'm telling right, you, man. Right, right, right. I'm telling you. Um, but I guess w- the shame there, I think, is that, like, it's 2016, and... Oh, it's pathetic. Don't get me wrong. No, all it's pathetic, pathetic. But more importantly, I mean, all of that aside, um, the fact that they had to... Uh, tone it down in the hopes of a sequel at all is i mean that's that, talk about a commentary on the movie industry oh, yeah. the fact that this movie was forced to be uh safe in order to get a fr- like like of all movies like when this movie was first announced i was like oh that's gonna that's gonna bomb mm. that's gonna bomb no one's gonna see that it's gonna that's, what I thought. that's gonna be that's gonna be so niche that's gonna be right. so hyper specific that it's gonna you know it's gonna be like uh, snakes on a plane or Scott Pilgrim all the internet will be talking about it but it will, no one will actually see right. it uh, I was positive that that was gonna happen mm-hmm. um, but it didn't and I wish that they had committed to being that kind of movie I guess and I know that you really can't do that if you're spending any amount of money mm. on a movie you just you can't willingly throw it away. Uh, but right, if it's super, I, I, like if it's James Gunn super, which is like this low budget film, then you can do something. Yeah, like well, that. I guess I wish it had been more like that. I wish that they had taken a lower budget and like this isn't, uh, like I, my God, it, imagine the money they could have saved by not having Colossus in this movie, who always looks terrible. <laughs> Colossus well, looks like garbage in every shot. That's funny. <laughs> I imagine. I, I didn't mind. I, th- I mean, he looks, uh, uh, you know, but I don't know what a giant metal man would look like, to be honest with you. Um. And he looks like a CGI character. Yeah, I no, guess, no, he right? absolutely, he absolutely does. But I don't know what a, I, again, I don't know what that's supposed to look like. It, the entire concept of Colossus is absurd. So I don't know what, like, nothing makes sense in the. He's eating cereal. I'm like, how are you eating cereal? How did you he fit in the car? Throws up later too. How did you? Yeah, he throws up. How does he fit in the car? How does the car carry him? He's like must weigh two tons. Judging by like the physics of how the fights go on later on, but you know, it, but it works for sight gags. It works for all these things. So it's like whatever. So the fact that he doesn't look real—I mean, what does a real Colossus even look like? I don't know. But I, I also—I think my, my be... complaint is more that he looks like really. He looks, I mean, cartoony in a way that the rest of the effects don't. It's not like a stylized choice. But my point, my my greater point is that. Um, but I think Deadpool, he's important straight as like a straight character to play off of. I think that is I think that was But you could have had that with uh he didn't have to be an all CGI character that was going to My point is that you could have you could have done this movie with a very low budget. Oh, this I movie see didn't have to be a big budget movie. It didn't have to be. But because it was a big budget movie, it had to be certain things. Was it big and Was it big budget though? How much did they invest in the movie? It must have been Well, hang on. I actually have it up. I have Wikipedia right here. Uh hmm. Well, it says budget fifty-eight million, so not a huge. No, budget, that's admittedly. pretty small. 
Um, but they could have done like you could have made Deadpool's superpower can be accomplished on a TV budget, like a lower end TV budget. All all you need is you know some Greg Nicotero uh, gore effects. Oh, you, um, you, you don't need it. Mean, yeah, you need like a few squibs, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, so you don't. The movie didn't have to be this big, but. And because it, like I said earlier, because it was big, it had to be certain things. But I don't I, think I the bigness is it. But I don't think the low-budget version of this movie that could be more daring in certain areas. I think, but I think that's you're never going to get that with these these. Well, I don't want to say never going to get them with the studio films. I think you're more likely to get that with Marvel, Marvel proper. And I hate that people keep calling this a Marvel movie. I mean, I know it seems, seems like one of those <laughs> nerdy like, but it's so <laughs> frustrating. I know that they flashed the Marvel thing before, but it's not a Marvel movie, all right? It's it's a it's a Fox movie. The Fox movies are very distinct and, and and like very clearly have a certain thing they do. Whatever you love or hate it, they have a thing they do. The Marvel movies have a certain thing they do. Uh, you know, it just they're separate entities. Um, but in any case, I I think it's more likely with Marvel where they really have so much money that they can take bigger risks than they do. Uh, and they maybe they will in the future. I don't know. We'll see what the next you know crop looks like. Um, but you know this despite being a fairly low budget movie as you just pointed out i actually think that the problem wasn't them it was it was um it was this i think it was the stu- i don't think it was the creators i think it was the studio uh maybe can you know attaching strings to the fact that they were going to get their movie made or i'm not really sure uh, and i think they probably won a lot of battles i'm sure there was not a lot of desire for it to be rated r uh, I'm sure they thought that would be risky. I think there's a lot of things they thought would be risky that turned out, um, you know, the creators ended up winning winning that fight. Uh, I know Ryan Reynolds was very adamant about it being rated R for whatever reason, again, whether or not that was worth it or not. I think that um, they probably won quite a few battles, even if they didn't win the overall originality thing. The other possibility is that just the, the script you're describing never existed, and this was always the plan, and this is what they wanted to make, and they made it. Which is well. I mean, I know that I am aware that the script has been floating around right, the right, internet right. for a while. I never read it, but I, but I don't know I understand. It it's pretty much what we see on screen. Oh, okay. What was what was really you know leaked years ago. Right. Um. So I guess I guess you're right that this is pretty much what they were always going to do. But again, it's like, did is that when you're talking about waging battles? Is that because they knew that this is the only version they were ever going to get made? Is you know, or did or. I don't know. Or is you know you, you maybe you have more faith in the creators than I do because I just don't I don't get the impression from what I'm seeing that they were really fighting hard for certain things and you know that they were that they were that they were bringing things up and they just lost the fight with the studio. I just don't I, get well, that impression. Well, I don't know how much of it was publicity because a lot of it was like I'm fighting for the fans kind of thing from Ryan Reynolds. I don't know that it was yeah. real. Yeah. Um, but I do. I'm sure there was pushback on whether or not Fox was ever going to make an X-Men movie rated R. I, I think there was pushback. I mean, consider the fact that there was no reason for... I mean, X-Men Origins and all these movies absolutely, I think, could have been rated R for, and, and with good reason, and they weren't. Um, especially since it was building... I mean, X-Men's a direct outgrowth of the Blade franchises, which were... Um, were well, I don't know if they were all rated R, but I think at least one or two of them were rated R. Um, and there was reason to think maybe this would be you know, a way to go, especially with characters like Wolverine, who literally cut people in half with their claws. I mean, that's his whole character. Um, so I could see that they, you know, and, and yet they never did. And it wasn't until now that we finally see something like that from them. So I, I imagine it might've been a fight with them to get it made. Uh, it might've been part of the initial negotiation and it wasn't like, we'll make the movie, but not rated R. I'm sure it was the original, uh, thing, but 
I mean, and, and this is it's interesting because, um, you know, when we're talking about like what it, you know you're going to be able to get made, it's you know I can't help but think of Ridley Scott with the 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 Exodus. Movie, oh yeah, you know where he said yeah. I you know I couldn't possibly have ever gotten funding if I had cast black actors or um, North African actors for these characters. Um, because nobody would ever fund it because they would assume it wouldn't get any money. I don't know what the truth is to that because I've never tried to produce a film before. Um, but I think if it affects someone like Ridley Scott, I'm sure it affects someone like Tim Miller, who, you know, has made very little. Um, and so I, I don't But that's the thing, know. though. It's right. It's like you have to try first. Someone mm. has to I someone agree. has to walk into the room and say, we, you know, we need to we're going to do this. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, then we'll have evidence that it doesn't work. But if, you know, you have my, what annoyed me about when Ridley Scott said that was like, did you even ask the studio? <laughs> yeah. You know, did you even try I agree. To, to cast an actual I'm not defending person Ridley in your Scott movie about Egypt? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm not defending him at all. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think he did. And I, maybe, is he wrong to have assumed that it wouldn't work? Maybe not. I, you know, again, I've never produced a movie at that level. I don't know. <laughs> but like, if, first of like, surely Ridley Scott has the clout in the industry to go up to the studio head and say, hey... Can we give this a shot? Right. Let's see if the, you know. Let's see if this makes money because it's not like you know. Joel Edgerton was in that movie. No one gives a shit about Joel Edgerton. <laughs> no one knows who that is. <laughs> right. Although that was the year he, or this past, the past two years, he has been making a bit more of a name for himself. But you're right. He's not going to pull in. Nobody knows who he is. You're right. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, and I agree. Or like, why in The Martian he didn't? You know, there was actually a reasonable, reasonably diverse cast in that film. But like, Matt Damon was a headliner. He didn't have to be. It could have been. Could have cast a black actor or um, even a woman. Like, like actually, most of the there's no reason for that character to be anything really. Um, Watley, yeah. whatever, Mark Watley, he could have been anything. Um, but you know, putting Matt Damon's face on everything, you know, sells tickets. But I don't know that it would sell any less tickets with you know Idris Elba's face or you know some other actor. Um, and you're right. And, and just not to this is completely divergent from Deadpool, but just on the last point, I, I'm not in any way defending Ridley Scott. I'm not defending the not pushing creative boundaries, but I also know that there are realities of the industry that people are, you know, if you fight your whole life to get one movie out, you know, and there's one passion project you really want to get done, and um, you sculpt it in such a way that it, you want it to get greenlit and that's the way it comes out. I, I can see how that could happen. I have less, let's put it this way. I forgive Tim Miller more than I forgive Ridley Scott because Ridley Scott has and every reason to be able, you know, to stick it to the studio, which he's done for things like narration in Blade Runner. So I don't, you know, he fought this, that was a whole saga of fighting with the studio. Uh, and yet it doesn't appear that he did any sort of fighting over Exodus. Um, so yeah, I agree that I, I would, I would put the fault there and you're right. Some people have to push boundaries and I would agree that Deadpool does not push any major boundaries. Uh, I also would disagree that it's not a fun and entertaining, uh, you know, sort of popcorny, you know, uh, superhero film, but it's not, you know. Well, I want then I want to close out on that because I did one thing we haven't really addressed, mm. but that, which is funny because I feel like it's the main thing I didn't like about the movie is that, um, the script is really bad it's really unfunny the jokes are not funny the joke every joke every other joke in this movie is you know hey deadpool's gonna say a bad word and he's gonna say it with a reference to pop culture from the 90s this movie is obsessed with the 90s by the way for some reason obsessed with the 90s um like and i, I i'm sorry i don't want to get over the tangent the 90s esoterica in this movie is off the chain it's like every, and it's not even like, okay, you can do a reference to, you know, 
uh, Sinead O'Connor because she looks like Sinead O'Connor. It's like, I get it. Okay. But it's it like the hits just kept on coming. It's like, <laughs> you know, um, there's an Alien 3 reference. There's all kinds of stuff. And it's, I missed. It's like, that's I, the gonna, only... I got to tell you, I've missed. I missed most of these. I, I have no recollection of any. I guess I I'm feel like there wasn't very... there weren't pop culture references from before like 2002. I could be wrong, but I get I got that impression. Well, also, moreover, it, it's also possible that that was I don't know when this was written, but maybe it was written when those would have been a bit more relevant than they are now. <laughs> it's possible, and they but just then didn't it's a responsibility update. to update the jokes. Yeah, they just didn't bother updating any of the jokes, which is possible. <laughs> yeah, but like more to more to the point, like every every single joke in this movie is you know he says a bad word. He says a pop culture reference. Um, so many jokes in this movie are some variation of like, oh, this is just, this is like you know one thing having sex with another thing inside a third thing, <laughs> and it's it's like you just it's not it's a even joke. Funny you know when it's I mean? generic, but it, yeah, but it's like it's not a joke. You just kind of said a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I don't. It's I, not really. I, I, I mean, like I, I I referenced some joke earlier in this review. I don't even remember what it was. Um, but. Uh, I mean, again, is it terribly memorable? No, I mean, but it, it it was... Overall, I was... For example, there's the joke in the beginning when he's talking about Hugh Jackman, and he doesn't say it. He's meant some reference to testicles, or to Hugh Jackman's testicles. And that, that, that's not funny, but he says it in an Australian accent, which is, you know, has its own reference to the fact that Hugh Jackman, the person who plays Wolverine, which he doesn't even really mention, is... uh you know, Australian, and then uh, also, uh, like, throughout the movie, there's this sort of battle of sexiest man alive with the Ryan Reynolds, and I think they have Hugh Jackman at some point, because um, they, they were a couple years apart on who was the sexiest, sexiest man alive. Um, you know, like, it, they're just, they're stu- yeah, it's stupid. They're, they're, they're dumb. It's not, but I don't, I wouldn't argue it's, okay, listen, this is what I don't, you see just terrible writing, um, and you say this a lot, this terrible cinematography in, like, Captain <laughs> America or whatever. And it's just, like, it blows my mind because, like, I sat through Tammy, all right? I sat through, like, eight, like Age of Extinction, which had jokes, which had T.J. Miller, okay? And it was the... Who is the one thing I liked about this movie? Well, but, I yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, uh, this is the least annoying T.J. Miller performance in history. Really... I, I like him a lot in Deadpool, I want to say. He was fun. I liked him in this. Um, but that's, uh, like... I, maybe I, mean, I know you can't compare like every movie, but you know Tammy was supposed to be funny. You know, like that was a so there was a movie with jokes in it. It's not the same as Deadpool, but it's supposed to be funny. Spy was supposed to be funny. I didn't find anything in that movie funny. I laughed like once or twice in that whole film. Um, not to pick on Melissa McCarthy, I think she's actually a very funny woman and she's been in funny stuff. But those two movies were not funny, and Tammy was way worse than Spy. Um, but uh, you know, there's movies like that, or a- Age of Extinction, which is not an out-and-out comedy, but is supposed to have all these, you know, humorous lines, and it's not in any way. It never amuses for a second. And like this movie, like made me chuckle quite a few times, and like it, you know, it was I, I laughed out loud um, more than a few times at the movie. And uh, I thought a lot of the jokes fell flat again. The things from the trailers didn't work, but um, ironically, it was probably the weakest writing of the film. Most of the film actually was fairly on point. I, I thought the, the delivery was solid. I think Ryan Reynolds got his... He was able to sell things that I think mostly would have fallen flat maybe with a different a different different timing and a different actor. So, again, it, and I think it really does come back to Ryan Reynolds inviting us to also like Deadpool. Um, not implicitly, but through his performance. Oh, sorry, not like overtly, a... but through his performance. The joke I keep coming back to in my mind mm-hmm. is there's a moment where he's like about to head out um, 
for the big final battle. Oh, right, and he's right, talking right. to this woman who's his roommate, who's blind, and like uh, she's uh, used to do cocaine. Right. I guess like they reference right, that. Right, right. And right before he leaves, um, he whispers in her ear like, "Oh, you know, somewhere in this apartment, I hid uh, All the cocaine under a bunch the... of cocaine right next to the cure for blindness." Right. And it's supposed to, like, it's a, it's, it has the, like Pert Hapley would say, it has the cadence of a joke. <laughs> um, but, and yet, it's not a joke. It, it's this just, it's just like, you kind of, you just said a thing. <laughs> no, but it is a, <laughs> and but it's it is a joke. You might not have found it funny, but it is a joke. The joke, it's in direct reference. The, the, you're supposed to imagine in that scenario her scratching around for a, a, or even better than that, her immediately seeing that he's messing with her and then you know, being irritated with him. Again, whether or not you find that funny is a matter of taste, I guess, but it is, in fact, a joke. It has the structure of a joke. It, it Honestly, it took a second for that to even register with me because I forgot that she was... The cocaine thing completely... I forgot about it. It had happened earlier, and I just wasn't registering for me, and then I was like, oh, yeah, cocaine. Right. She does like cocaine, doesn't she? And I got that was a lot of my responses to a lot of the jokes in the movie, but I would say like at least fifty percent of the time I laughed, which is more than I can say for a good chunk of the co- actual out and out comedies I've seen. And as I said, I was invested in seeing how he resolved the situation with um, Ajax, with his little you know vengeance quest. Um, and I sort of, I guess, I forgave a lot of the the jokes that didn't land because I was invested in the story, which I found out as I was watching the 20-minute segment where no jokes happened. And I was like, I guess if I can do without the jokes and still care about what's going on, then I don't need the jokes for it to work as a film. And the, the jokes that do work are sort of added spice on top of it. And that's, I guess... Okay, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned Ajax, because I think this is going to... I don't want to harp on this all day, but I think this is going to kind of crystallize what I'm trying, what I'm trying to say. Um, the joke with Ajax is that his real name is Francis. Oh, yeah. And that um, <laughs> he got the name from the dish soap. And that's a big laugh line in my theater anyway when he says he, you know, he got the name from the dish soap because everyone's like, "Oh yeah, Ajax, I know that. I've seen that brand. That's funny." But that joke has like I kind of mentioned earlier, that joke has no context in the movie. It's just like But no, but it's it's just a thing that a writer would think was funny. Like, wouldn't it be funny if the, you know, but that's not what the, but that's, after a it, dish soap. You're you're understanding that as literally the character got his name from the soap. Or well, I mean, not necessarily because no, no, obviously it's that like doesn't a, make any like sense. A, it's like what a, somebody says in a rap battle or something like Ajax. Where you come up with that name? You know, di- you know, a bottle of dish soap. Um, you know, like in a throwaway rap battle line. Like to me, like that's the kind of thing. It's like a yo mama joke. It's a nothing. It's a nothing joke. You know, but it's not that the character literally got his name. He, he the whole. The, I mean, to me, the joke there is that he's Ajax. Clearly named himself after Ajax, like the Greek hero the super strong man and there oh yeah but like and so i'm saying to, to diminish him by saying he got his name from dish soap is sort of supposed to undercut his that's this that's ryan reynolds character you know subverting his power that's all it was i but it, it, it read to me my point is just that and i mean you're right but it read to me as this example of something that it it i, I just i felt the, i felt the writer on screen instead of a character, basically. And, you know, in the thing with the, the joke about the cocaine and the blindness, I just, like, I felt like that's a thing that in isolation a person would think was funny, but when it happens, but it doesn't have any connection to anything surrounding it as a joke. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't have any, 
Well, but it does. It's, though, it has, it's not incoherent either. within its own context. No, but it is though. I mean, he 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 spends the one scene we have with him and her. It's him treating her terribly as a roommate. Like he's not, you know, he makes her leave the room, uh, so he can have some personal time. Uh, he, you know, doesn't help her with you know building this IKEA thing. He berates her for not ordering the right IKEA thing, and uh, you know, he's just mean to her. And then he makes his last possibly last ever encounter with her a continuation of him being mean to her, which is again, whether or not you find that funny, I mean, I, it's totally a I, you are, have every right to not find it funny, but I, I I do think it's within context it does make sense. I can't believe I'm defending jokes in Deadpool. What planet? <laughs> I can't believe you are either. I just don't know. I, I stand by everything I just said, but I literally maybe two months ago when this was all in the, the future, I was thinking to myself, this is going to be the worst thing and I'm going to hate it or I'm just going to not see it and not even get involved in the conversation. And now I'm defending a joke about a blind woman looking for cocaine under the floorboards in a house. And I just don't know why I'm doing it, but <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, it's, it's, you know, it worked for me. Now, are these two jokes, by the way, are these two jokes, the jokes that stood out, stood out to me in the movie? No. I mean, those were not like big laugh lines for me. I think I mentioned earlier that I found um, some of the other jokes to, to work a bit better. Um, but I don't think that was out of context. I think it fit in the course of the film, personally. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I, maybe this just speaks more to what I was experiencing watching the movie, is I just, I, because I was hating it, uh, <laughs> just every time there was a new joke, it was, it was just like, what else you got? Mm-hmm. That you, You're not doing anything for me. So I'm ex- I think maybe what's what happened is just I was experiencing each line as it was coming as uh the movie once again failing to uh impress me in any way. God, I sound like the worst snob in the universe. <laughs> you really And people are going to hate me. Yeah, well, you people know. are going to hate me. And I'm sorry. I know no, like I'm not here, begrudging anyone their love of Deadpool, but just like No, I'll de- I'll defend I'll defend you on this not I, not that I agree with you, but I think what happens is is absolutely um, momentum in a film, and that's what happens. You know, when a movie really pisses you off or doesn't grab you in the beginning or something, uh, or something irritates you about it, or you decide that this is the thing the movie's doing or whatever, then it influences the way you view the rest of the film. So, for example, I, I noticed in the beginning there were a lot of jokes that weren't landing for me, and but enough were that I sort of, I was willing, like, even the opening credits... It really, I think what happened is I started on a positive note because the opening credits, I found them funny. I thought it was a funny opening sequence. And so I was like, oh, you know, this is, I'm surprised I'm laughing. This is a funny way to open the movie. It's something I haven't seen before. Um, and so I guess sort of I started on that note. So when I heard jokes I didn't like, I sort of just filed them away in my head. I went, oh, that wasn't funny. I'm sure another one will be funny, though. And then a funny joke would happen. And then an unfunny joke would happen. I go, well, that wasn't funny, but I'm sure there'll be another one that'll be funny, you know. And so I just sort of kept doing that in my head. And meanwhile, you were going, oh, it's another unfunny joke. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And it's just we saw the same thing. We experienced the same thing. But when we've, you know, you sort of make that. Dis- it, there's a momentum that comes with it um, to your emotional response to a film. Um, speaking of emotional response and, and sort of my feelings on this, I'm going to make a bold decision to say that we. Uh, Okay, I will say this at first. I will give you what I would like give the film very generically out of ten or out of a hundred, right? I give it an eight or an eighty. So, like, you know, I didn't love it. I didn't think it was the greatest movie in the world. Um, That said, I don't think I I think scores under uh, 
devalue reviews. I think the discussion is more worthy than the score. And I'm going to make a bold proclamation, considering we haven't done a podcast in a while, and uh, Movie Phil's been sort of out of commission for a little bit, uh, that uh, upon return, we're just going to do away with scores. You can... Verdict's fine, you know, whatever. You like the movie, give it a win, give it a whatever. But I, I just I don't think scores are valuable. I think putting a numerical value on something that just is inherently subjective is silly. It implies it implies objectivity where there isn't any, and it's just a waste of time. Well, I think this is the film to do it because, yeah, like, if, if and this is I guess this will be the final thing I say about Deadpool um, <laughs> ever, ever. No, yeah, ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's okay. If there are Deadpool fans listening to this, and I know there are because it's most of the people who saw Deadpool, apparently, <laughs> um, somehow, <laughs> I don't, like I said, I don't begrudge you the fact that you like Deadpool. I think it's awesome. I think it's, I genuinely, I think it's great that you like this movie. I, I think it's great that anyone likes any movie. <laughs> and I know that sounds really patronizing and sarcastic, but I mean it. I think, I, I'm happy for this you. Is, this is Josh trying not to sound really snobby about Deadpool. Well, it's just so hard because it it, gen- it really is hard for me to talk about why I don't like this movie without sounding like a snob. So the best that I can do is just say, I, you know, from the bottom of my heart, please don't take this sarcastically. I'm glad you liked it. Um, this isn't <laughs> the sort of thing... <laughs> God, this isn't going to work. This isn't the sort of thing that I like. That's it's okay. just not what I'm you into. You know that. That's okay. You could say you don't like it. <laughs> No, I know, but I but it's just going to come across as me being, you know, inevitably someone's going to take that as, oh, look at that asshole film critic thinks he's better than me, thinks he has better okay, taste than me. Okay, but to be me. fair, that's everyone's opinion about every movie review they read. I mean, it's... Well, exactly, but I, I feel like it's, I, for some reason, and God, God, I'm about to do it again, I feel like Deadpool is really going to energize those people. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> fair enough. Well, um, yeah. I, I will say I was pleasantly surprised. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I don't begrudge the fact that you hated it. I'm not I'll say this. surprised. Well, yeah. But I'll say this: it met my expectations. <laughs> it superseded mine. Uh, it exceeded. It exceeded my expectations. So there's that. Um, all right. Well, uh, do you want to? you want to close it out? <laughs> uh, this has been movie fail podcast dueling review. Deadpool pretension um, edition. Yeah. That's that's every time I'm on a podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, if you like this, definitely check out our other podcasts about Game of Thrones. That's going to be coming back soon, I oh, think. Oh, so exciting, months. so exciting. Um, we'll do an Oscar podcast again this year, probably. Uh, that's a couple days, jeez. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, yeah. It def- oh, and if you hate me, tell me in the comments. I would love to hear it. <laughs> um, but, you know, Lee, I leave your opinion. I know I, I'm going to disagree with you, but I want to hear what people think. I want to hear what everybody thinks. Absolutely. I and, really and I know I'm sure there's people who are, feel I did not n- remotely defend the film well <laughs> Oh, enough. they might hate you more. I, I actually <laughs> think that I was, I'll be more of a target in this than, than you will. Like, <laughs> I, it, it's kind of the kind of thing where I don't know that you would have ever liked it, but I think that I probably didn't do the character justice or got a bunch of comic book stuff wrong. I will say this. I know that he's a mutate and not a mutant. And that's uh, nerdy enough for me to be quite. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you guys for joining us. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, tune in next time.